What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today, I'm so excited to talk to Danny from First Gen Money. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this series and feel super honored that you thought that I could inspire people. <laughs> I do. I do believe you can. And I, so I met Danny actually in person at an event. There was a panel discussion that was put together by Financially Savvy Latina, who was also featured on the show here, um, which is Natalie. She's awesome. And she, she hosted this panel. And then uh, Danny was there in person. I was there in person. We connected and I had already seen her on Instagram, but hadn't met her in person. And once I met you, I was like, oh my God, Danny's just so sweet. And everything that you're doing with your blog and your Instagram is so amazing. So I wanted to make sure to highlight you and to share what you're doing. Thank you. Um, there's going to be people who maybe are not familiar with Danny and who have not heard of First Gen Money. You're going to be glad you heard about it after today. But um, because if, if you're not familiar, I would just like to start with um, Danny giving, giving them an opportunity to learn a little bit about your background. So why don't you share and a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Yeah. So hello, everyone. I'm Danielle Romelarue. I run First Gen Money. And so I guess with that title, what, what you can gather is that I am a first-generation college graduate, also daughter of Ecuadorian immigrants who came to New Jersey in the 80s and 90s, respectively. And so I'm a Jersey girl, born <laughs> and raised, graduated from Rutgers, which is like New Jersey's state university. And I graduated with over 30K in student debt. Ooh. And I, you know, it was a journey to kind of understand why money was important growing up, you know, that we never shied away from talking about money, but it was always either we didn't have enough for certain things or like mm -hmm. we were just spending way beyond our means. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that I did something different with mine. So in 2017, I got my act together and decided mm -hmm. how can I pay off my debt? How can I make sure that, because at that time I only had student loan debt. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, in order to not have, not owe anybody money, like what can I do? So since 2017, I've been on this personal finance journey and I share about my journey, but also give readers and now viewers, because I'm doing YouTube videos, how to, yeah, how to like get better with their personal finances. That is amazing. So, well, actually, one of the things I want to pluck out before I ask you some fun um, spending money questions, uh, I just want to pluck out that you said, which I thought was unusual. When I was growing up, my family did not really talk about money. It was very taboo. But um, you just said that growing up, you guys didn't shy away from talking about money. So that's a, a totally different environment, especially for an immigrant household, a uh, Latinx household at that, which our culture sometimes can be very much like shaming, like don't talk about the lack of money. Don't talk about what we don't have. You know, maybe they were they were shy about talking about what we don't have, but my parents always spoke to us about money because my dad was really into real estate when we were younger. And so our first house that they bought was like basically the smartest decision that they had made because it was so cheap at the time when they got it and in such an up and coming neighborhood. So my dad and my and my mom, they both were like real estate and investing in real estate was the way that they were thinking. So when I was in middle school, my dad, my parents owned three houses at one time. Wow. And unfortunately, you know, that we ended up losing two of those. Mm -hmm. So that didn't work out, but they were always having conversations about it. And they were always like, this is the book I'm reading. My dad, I remember he was like, you need to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I'm wow. in middle school and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but like, <laughs> why are you did. telling me to read this? Yeah, <laughs> he was very much like, 
you need to read this book. It's going to change your life. And wow. he was giving that to everybody. So yeah, awesome. we, we didn't shy away from talking about money. I don't know if they necessarily spoke to people about the issues that they were having. I don't think that was the case, but okay. yeah. That's awesome though, because I, I mean, I wish somebody would have put a book like Rich Dad Poor Dad in my lap when I was any any age, middle school, high school, college, today. I mean, people just, we don't necessarily share resources that we find. And I think this is like a new thing, maybe with the wave of social media, that if you find something that's life-changing, you go and you post it or you share it. But when we were younger, when I was growing up, I, it just wasn't really a thing. It was more so if you, you figured something out for yourself, good for you, but it wasn't really a thing to talk about uh, personal development or changing your life or, uh, you know, becoming financially independent. Like these were not trending, hashtag trending right. topics. That is just, it's just no. not. Um, well, that's awesome. So it took you two years to get out of debt from 2017, 2019. You're officially debt-free as of 2019. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank um, which you. is amazing. But I'm sure that before you got on that debt-free journey and that like serious aggressive pay debt repayment plan, there were some spending uh, maybe mistakes, okay? Because I know like I had a ton. So if you could go back and think about um, some of the like hot mess financial spending habits that you had, maybe one particular thing that you bought that was just too expensive and you regret it to this day, what would you say that that would be? So this one is, I, I kind of scared to admit it because <laughs> it doesn't mean that I didn't care about it. But if I had to pick one thing that I was like, eh, I shouldn't have purchased that it would have been my maid of honor dress to my sister's wedding. Mm. And it's not because I didn't want to wear the best dress or I didn't want to like care about my sister's wedding. It wasn't that at all. Mm. It was just because uh, of like all the stuff that I was getting, like the comments from my mom, like you need a great dress. You need something that's going to be like extravagant. And when I tried on the dress that I ended up wearing, you know, everybody was like, wow, you need to get that. But in reality, I didn't dance at my sister's wedding because that dress was huge, uncomfortable. Oh, no. And it was just like, I couldn't enjoy her wedding because I wasn't comfortable in what I was wearing. So it, it was expensive because it cost me a lot to pay for the dress, get it tailored and then everything else. But I also couldn't enjoy myself. So yeah, I think that would be my most expensive purchase. Oh man, that's expensive in a lot of ways, right? It, we, it was a waste of money. It was also a waste of time because you could have enjoyed that time dancing. There's, yeah. You end up like, you know, hindsight obviously is twenty twenty. You go back and you think about how you would do it differently. But I think that is such a, a big one. I, I've been reading a lot about, you know, the pressure from like, from your peers when you get to a certain point socially in your life, either when you're in your late 20s or 30s and all of a sudden all your friends are getting married, there's this wedding craze, right? It was like, you have to get the, this dress, these shoes, this makeup artist, this hairstyle, you have to pay this much. And there's a, it's a thing, this wedding culture that yeah. you know, it, it puts pressure on people to spend way more than you need to on things like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, girl. What about the flip side? What about a purchase that you made that other people might look at your finances and be like that? I would, that is crazy. I would never spend that much money, but to this day you actually stand by that purchase and you're like, no, I'm glad I spent that money. It was worth it. So this one I think is pretty like, it's normal. Like everybody has this expense for, but for me, it was my student loans for a specific semester in college. So my junior year of college, I decided to study abroad mm -hmm. and I, I realized that my study abroad program was going to be $4,000 more than a regular semester, just if I stayed in New Jersey. But I was very adamant about going. I knew like there was no way that I was not going to have this experience 
And so I decided to, one, apply to scholarships, obviously, see if there anybody would give me some extra money to go. But then I decided, you know, if I don't get all the scholarships, which I didn't, I got, I got two. If I don't get all the scholarships, I'm okay taking extra debt for this experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are like, oh, why, why are you taking debt for something like this? But it was an amazing experience. I don't know when again, I'm ever going to be able to live in Europe or another place in the world for five months. Like it was just a, I I met some of my closest friends there. And I also just had an experience that nobody in my family had had before. So it was great to bring that back and be able to say like, you could do it too, because it's possible. That's right. You know, I I did a similar thing. I also had like a study abroad trip that cost me like $5,000. I had to take out a student loan for the $5,000, even though I actually was very lucky because I had a, a full ride to college. But that one thing that I had to pay for was the, the study abroad program. And I was nervous to take out the loan because I didn't have to that point any student loans. But like it's exactly what you said. When else in your life are you going to be able to go away for five months or six months to another country and only spend $4,000 like or $5,000? Like, yeah not going to happen. If you take a trip like that now, you're you're going to pay way more than that when you think about your flights, when you think about where you're going to stay, your housing, where you think about your food, all the, the stuff that you're going to spend money on. You know, it, it just, it, it it's the, the cheapest time for you to, to spend on travel is when you're a student because again, the scholarships, exactly. you know, and, and just study abroad ends up being relatively more affordable than like traveling as an as a grown adult when nobody's trying to exactly. give you, nobody's trying to give you a scholarship when you're 35 years old. That's not happening. No, and you don't, also have vacation days where you can just be like, Hey, I'm leaving for five months. I have my job when I get back. Right. And sure there's remote work now, but it's, it's a lot more complicated as an adult to want to take that much time. That is absolutely true. Um, I definitely second that. I I didn't really think about that much. And now that I go back and think, wow, I'm so glad that I actually took the time and, and took out that loan to go study abroad because I mean, I've been back to France since, but I had to really make an effort to go back. And when I went as, as like a seven, 18 year old, 18 year old, it was just such a different thing, you know, well, maybe I was like 19 yeah. or 20, but you know, still, it's just a different experience <laughs> to leave where you're from, which actually yes. it's funny that you said you're from Jersey and, but now you're in Bushwick and I'm from Bushwick and now I'm in Jersey. <laughs> we literally I know. Like, it's reversed. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I mean, the thing is too, it's like, it's annoying because everybody's in the city, like my whole family. But when I think about like yeah. how much money I'm saving and also it's only a 15 or 20 minute train ride over on the path, I'm like, all right. This is, you know, one of the three biggest places where people spend, or the the three biggest places that people spend money in their budget is housing, transportation, and food. So if I can keep my food costs low, my transportation costs low, housing is, you know, the the other thing that's really hard. So if I can cut there, then, you know, I figure I'm good. Yes. Um, Cool. Well, I I, I love hearing that, you know, just background about you and and learning a little bit more about, about, you know, what what are the things that you value about how you spent your money and things that you regret. Um, But I want to learn a little bit more about why you actually decided to take your story about becoming debt free and and the two years that I'm I'm sure you struggled through to try to get that that 30 grand paid off aggressively. But why did you decide to kind of take that public and actually build a space online for it, a blog that that later, you know, grew an Instagram following and also now is going to become a YouTube is, is a YouTube channel where you're posting content now, uh, what what motivated you to actually do that? When I first discovered personal finance, I had been introduced to it by Farnoosh Tarabi, mm-hmm. who has an incredible podcast, So Money, and she was interviewing incredible people. And those stories were super inspiring, but I didn't hear anybody with my perspective or my voice. Mm-hmm. And then I also learned about the FIRE movement. And again, I saw that there was like nobody who had 
kind of grown up the way I did or had the background that I had. And I hadn't come across your YouTube channel, but had I, I would have like, I would have understood and felt connected to you, obviously, but I didn't see that. So I was like, I, I want to address a different demographic and I want to speak to people who probably have that first gen experience and also the daughter of immigrant experience. Like what are those things that we're dealing with? So I wanted to share my story so more people could feel like they're not alone and you know, there's people out there too who, like myself, have to maybe help my parents sometimes or help my grandparents if if they need it. So yeah, I just wanted to share my story so people could feel like they were yeah. with somebody else. And relatability is so important. I mean, I'm telling you, when I first started personal finance, it was like back in 2014, 15. And just like you, like I couldn't really find anything. And, and even if there is, it's so hard to find it because it's like a needle in a haystack. There's all this content created by men, created by white folks, created by you know people in uh, you know positions of power or that already have wealth or that their families come from wealth. Right. And all that, not that that's noise, it's all great content and it has the same intent that we do, which is to help people learn. But it, it's just not as relatable to us based on our lived experiences. And for me, like I was just trying to kind of like look, you know, yes, learn from that, but also find in there where somebody that talks like me, acts like me, tells stories that resonate with me. Like, oh, that happened to me growing up. That's how my parents respond to my, to me and my, you know, my antics and what I say too. Like just right. being able to relate. And you know, that to me, that's so important. So I'm, I'm so glad when I found your content, I was like, first gen money, how can you get more specific than that? It is very clear yeah. who your audience is and who you want to help support and, uh, and provide resources for. So I love that. I think that it makes sense to target specifically what you know exactly the experience that you relate to so that you know it so well you know exactly how to help support it um and uplift people that are in that first gen experience so i love it i think what you're doing is awesome thank you so i want to kind of talk a little bit about your particular debt journey because i know that is like a big accomplishment to get rid of thirty thousand dollars of debt and probably more on top of the student loans by the time you started to pay it off but in from 2017 to 2019 in just two years you have like very specific strategies that you used or specific life changes that you made to be able to put yourself in a situation to pay off the debt aggressively yeah so i think there's two things in that right so one of the main things is i try to live a very like sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I try to see where I can either minimize my waste and also eat in a certain way that isn't hurting animals. And that kind of lifestyle, as much as it might not seem that way, it's been pretty cheap because vegetables don't cost much. And also if you don't have to buy certain things every time they come up, for instance, tampons, if I don't have to buy tampons every day, I'm not going into CVS to purchase that. So I That's think right. my sustainability lifestyle, but mm -hmm. also in um, just kind of tracking my my spending, right? Like understanding yeah. what was coming in. Because before then, I had no idea. I had no idea what was coming in. I had no idea what was going out. So understanding that yeah. really helped me see where my money was going and if my money was actually speaking to my values, right? So I can say I'm very sustainable, but if I'm, you know, eating certain things or if I'm buying certain things, then that doesn't, you know, the, that speaks for itself, right? So I, I think the main thing that really also helped me save was living at home. Yeah. I live, my parents live in North Jersey. Uh -huh. So it's, you know, it's a commute into uh, New York City, into Manhattan specifically, yeah. where I 
first started my full-time job, but it wasn't impossible, right? Mm -hmm. I would walk outside my house and I'd be in the corner waiting for a bus stop that would take me straight into New York City. It was about two hours each way, so a four-hour commute a day, which is draining, but it gave me time to like listen to those podcasts that were inspiring me. It helped me put away $1,000 a month towards debt, towards my savings goals, all of that stuff. So I took the opportunities and the privileges that I had, the fact that my parents had a home that they own close to New York City is a huge privilege. Absolutely. I I took advantage of that, you know, like there is no shame in that. So all of that, plus like where I could be a little drastic sometimes with trying to (laughs) save money is, so obviously I had to get into Manhattan through a bus. So that was like an expense. But then at Port Authority, I work off of 14th street. So I had to take a subway or I could walk about 40 minutes, but I was like, I'm not going to you know, I don't want to take a subway because then I have to pay one twenty one a month That's and that right. adds to my transportation costs. And I don't want to walk because sometimes I, I might run late. So I decided to get a city bike in, I think it was 2018 for a full year. Yep. I did a city bike. Which actually, if you get a city bike for a full year, it runs you the cost of a Metro car for a full month. For a month. Yep. I paid one fifty nine yep. for my city, my year city bike. And I just rode from Port Authority wow. to 14th Street and back. And, you know, little, little saving tricks like that, they'll get you a long way. And it's That's more right. about like how you can change the way you see things. So it's not like, oh, it's just another expense. I have to pay for it. It's like, yep. no, challenge that, challenge yep. it. Yep. And really put like, put on your thinking cap and get for real. Like, how do you get creative about cutting costs as many places as you can? Like people probably think I'm crazy for all the crazy little things I've done in terms of trying to save too. But I think a lot of, a lot of people might see that and think like, oh, that's wild. Not nah, chill. I need to be on the train or on the bus. And it's like, well, Save, getting out of a lot of debt like that aggressively takes sacrifice. So if you interpret that as being wild, switch your mindset and see that as a sacrifice that Danny was willing to make in order to have the result that she wanted, which is to get rid of the debt, to smash the debt as fast as she could. Like, you know, for me, there were things like, actually, when you mentioned your, your sister's wedding, I was like, oh, I was having flashback memories because my sister had a very nice wedding. It was very fancy and a very expensive wedding. And she sent us all, me and my, I have four sisters. So there's five of us total. She sent the other four sisters pictures of the type of dress that we should wear, but it wasn't like a link to a specific dress. So I was like, I'm not going to go and buy an expensive dress. Like I can, and I, I have a sewing machine and I know how to sew. So I was like, I'm taking my butt to 43rd street where they got all the fabric stores. I'm going to get me all the fabric I need for $20 and make the dress at home that I see online that costs $200. So it took me a couple hours to, you know, draft the pattern, cut the pattern pieces, figure out how I wanted the dress to look. Oh and my God. Was, you know what? I saved like $180 and that was back when I yes. was broke, broke AF. And those $180 yeah. were far for me. So, you know, some people might think wow. I'm crazy for like laboring at the sewing machine, but you know what? It was a sacrifice I was willing to make. And plus I enjoy sewing. So, you know, it's about yeah. getting creative like that. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that myself. I like biking, but I mean, that is a long bike ride, like 42nd to 14th. And I'm imagining like in my head, I'm like, oh man, what if it starts raining or snowing? If it gets cold, I might yeah. hop on the bus. <laughs> That's when I might take myself to that MTA bus and be like, it's cold out here. I'm not getting on the bus. 
Uh, but you know, but you know that that's that's what it is. It's about sacrifices. About finding out what's your limit. Like, where is it that you're willing to make your sacrifices? And uh, and you know, for you, it's going to be different from somebody else, right? For Danny, it might be the bike. For somebody else, they might think she's tripping and they might yeah. choose something else. But we can't tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have to get your situation, your personal preferences, what you like, what you don't like, and figure out where are the things that are going to work for you that you're going to figure out how to hack pretty much. Like it's pretty much finding hacks, right? Like hacking your life in a way where you don't have to spend as much. Um, so I love that. I love that so much. And well, you actually referred to um, your full-time job a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do full-time and you know um, what that work is all about? Because I think it, it is sort of connected to the mission of First Gen Lenny in a yes. way. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. So I work at Jopwell, which is a career advancement platform for Black, Latinx, and Native American students and professionals. Mm-hmm. And so I was interested in working there because of the mission, because it supports the demographic that I, you know, I am a part of. So I am in marketing there and I support our user growth and engagement. So trying to find ways and like creating content for our users, making sure that, you know, we're also growing the population and people find out about what we do. That's awesome. And I actually was very lucky to have the chance to be on the the Jopwell blog, which you guys call The Well. Um, I think it was two two years ago. Yeah, in 2017, I think it was. They featured an article about me saving up my first $50,000, which was so cool that they featured me. I really love Jopwell. For those of you who are either in college who are listening or watching and you are a student of color or about to be a young professional of color, definitely check out Jopwell. It's J-O-P-W-E-L-L. Or hit up Danny and ask her all about Jopwell because phenomenal resources, great blog. Um, opportunities for you to connect and shadow professionals that work in industries that you might be interested in working at who are looking to diversify their workforce pretty much, Um, which is so cool and awesome. All right. I got one really fun question for you to wrap up. But before I do that, where can people find you if you've inspired them with your story and with everything that you've done uh, being free from debts? So where can uh, where can people find you and reach out to you? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. If you just search at first gen money, I will be there. And then in my LinkedIn bio, everything is there. So I think Instagram is probably the best place. Cool. That's awesome. All right. So here's my, my last question for you. All right. So uh, if we could wipe George Washington off the dollar bill and put your face on it and wipe away where it says United States of America and put your money model or your money mantra or money message on it, what would your uh, message be for every dollar bill that exists that people would hold and use to spend money and give it to each other? And what would your message be? Yeah, this is a fun one. I think if I had to, I'm not necessarily saying this is like my money mantra, but when you asked this, it was like the first thing that came up. So I would have it say, this does not define your worth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of people associate money as like, you know, it means that they're a powerful person that they're in this and that. But no, sometimes you need a reminder that this is just money. It is not who you are. That is so, so, so true. Um, Akiva from The Bemused, she works with super high net worth individuals and she manages their, uh, she does their financial planning. She says some of her clients have like a hundred million dollars or more. And the thing that she learned from interacting with these clients is that they are just normal people like us. They worry yeah. about their kids. They worry about, you know, stresses of the, of the economic downturn of the stock market crash. They're worried about everything just like us. It's just, they just have access to wealth in 
a way that we don't, but the type of humans that they are isn't defined by their money. It's either they're going to be more of the person that they are in a good way or more of the person that they are in a bad way with more money. But money doesn't necessarily change you. I think it just makes you more pronounced, a more pronounced version of who you are. So I love that. Right. It's not, uh, yeah, it doesn't make you who you are. You got to make yourself who you are and then use the money for good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not blowing it at the club, you know. <laughs> One thing. Um, well, thank you so much, Danny. This was super fun. I'm so glad we got to learn more about your backstory um, and hear all of, of you know, inspiration that you have to share and your accomplishments. Um, you, you know, you're welcome to come back anytime. And um, I'm going to let you all know when this is available. I'll, I'll send just the, obviously this video link and the podcast link and everything to you um, so you can check it out. And also your dollar bill with your face on it will come your way as well. Thank you so thank much. You. Right. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. This is so fun. All right. I'll talk to you later. 